0: Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly the one the only karina lugo of choose you coaching karina i'm really excited to have you because you are just an inspiration to i think anybody that knows you the most positive you are honestly the most positive uplifting person i think i've ever met
1: thank you so much that means the world to me um, I definitely want that to be how I am received. And that's not always the case. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, which is good. <laughs> but um, I love that. And I'm just like, love getting to know you and just crossing paths in this wild online space. so I'm hyped to be here for sure. This is good.
0: I'm yes. I'm really excited. And I'm just really excited for you in general that your business took a really big. Change this year or took a little bit of a shift going from your fill your cup up sis to this choose you coaching, which was a really big step. And so I'd love to first hear a little bit about that. And then we're going to dive into some heavier topics, but let's start it out kind of (laughs) lighter. Okay. Good idea. So
1: yes, as you heard Tessa say, I started off as FYCS Fitness. That was kind of how basically I was going to create my first fitness page Instagram handle. I have been putting it off for honestly years. And my friends, family, they just kept telling me, just do it. Just do it. You have to take that leap or else you're going to another five years are going to pass. So I was sitting and I had a glass of wine. It was the Friday, maybe a Saturday, early morning, a little 2 a.m. And I just sat there and I said, fill your cup, sis. created the Instagram a- account. And then next thing you know, as I started generating clients and building my business, my clients started putting it into the acronym FYCS. And then I got my LLC and it became FYCS Fitness. So it was super like glitz and glammy. And that is not necessarily what I'm about. It just kind of morphed into this very cutesy, like feminine type of culture, just with the branding really. And I yeah. wanted it, you know, you're meeting people and people are interested in working with you, but older folks or men or people who, you know, however they identify, they didn't necessarily feel as welcome. So I said, okay, wake up call, time to grow up a little bit. And then we went to, from fill your this to choose you, which we'll talk a little bit about the the reasoning behind that and some of the topics later on, uh, but that was cool. So I just rebranded, and that was a few months ago, really. So now we're much yeah. more neutral. We're more—it's just a more grown, grown and sexy feel. Welcome, welcoming to all people of all walks of life.
0: <laughs> You're like if you are sexy, you are welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're all sexy, baby. But I just feel that people, even more men, have been reaching out people that are, you know, a little bit older have been reaching out and I just think it's a much more, you know, empowering space than it was. It was a little bit more juvenile before. So I'm excited it's been it's been awesome.
0: I think you obviously still embody that same ideology though. I think that what's really different about your coaching from maybe other online coaches that we see in our space is you have a really heavy focus on mindset and having a positive attitude in this space which again, I think is a really unique perspective because I'm kind of on the flip side. I focus more on the performance and the nutrition aspect side of things. And the yeah. mindset, while it's still important, isn't, I would say, my strong suit as a coach. And so I think that's a really cool aspect of your your particular style of coaching.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's kind of my Bread and butter. It's definitely what I'm the most passionate about to the point of eventually probably will drop training from my coaching. That's kind of a goal for 2024-ish maybe. We'll see. Uh, But I would like to- We're getting an
0: early sneak peek exclusive update. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. yes. You heard it first here. Uh, That's kind of the direction that I want to go. So we'll see. But- it's, you know, lots of just, of course, we all help our clients with relationships around food and, and themselves, but that, that is a heavy emphasis in my coaching is just a ton of inner work and just mindset shifts and behavior change work, which is really my background and work in general. I come from the land of ABA, so applied behavior analysis. I was working in that world for about almost 10 years on and off. So that was kind of my in-the-field experience. So I'm a bit of a ABA and psych nerd. Uh, and just working with lots of populations with intellectual disabilities, personality disorders, mood disorders, domestic violence, substance abuse, all the things. So uh, mental health and just emotional well-being, relationship with self, it's very, very Important. It's probably the number one focus that we have in my coaching. So, macros and training, it's great. It's definitely a piece of the puzzle. But if you don't have, you know, that positive relationship with yourself and the resilience, right, to be able to keep channeling those deeper whys and push through when shit gets really hard, then what are the, what does your training program and your macros want to do for you?
0: Totally. Yeah. No, I think that's really, really great. And that leads us into the segue of, really the the beef of this particular episode now if people don't follow you on social media or don't know you personally they might not know that well quite frankly you've been through a lot of shit over the past few yeah. years you know life has been really hard and as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode from the outside looking in you have such a positive and optimistic attitude that most people don't have in general let alone people that have gone through really hard life events. And so I want to talk a little bit about really like how to keep going and how to stay positive when life does get hard because you've you've been some th- through some things and I'm going to kind of just give you the stage and let you kind of tell us about what's happened in the past few years and what's really led you into this positive mindset and um, the name that you created for your new coaching business.
1: Okay, let's kick it off. So I'm totally just going to go off the cuff here. There's so much to say, but a lot of what I will be talking about and feel free wherever you really as well, just jump on in. So many people can relate to a lot of the things that I'm about to just throw out there onto the table. And I do feel that everything that I have been through personally, has led me to be the coach that I am and to be equipped to work with the clients that I work with. So in general, some of the topics that we've discussed before, and uh, re- I would say over the past six years have been probably the hardest six years of my life. So we can dive right into the reasoning behind the name Choose You, if you would like. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah, so when we were growing up from FYCS to Choose You, I was having a really hard time picking a name. It's a big decision for you to wow. commit to a name and say, this is my Gloda business name. I'm sticking with this for a while. I'm investing in branding, et cetera. And I want it to communicate what I want my businesses and communities culture to, to represent. You know, So I wanted it to be something that would flow off of the tongue and feel be something that anybody could hear it and it w- they would have their own meaning. So for me, if someone looks at my business and they see choose you, that could mean anything, any client that works with me, essentially they're choosing themselves in some way, whether it's to learn about fitness and nutrition, whether it's to give themselves permission, right? Our mama bears out there give themselves permission to take that time to better themselves and, you know, prioritize themselves, whether it's setting boundaries and, working towards just improving your relationships, etc. cetera. You're choosing yourself. And the reason why that line sticks out to me so much is because it was 2018, I believe. I had basically peeled myself off. It wasn't like a bandaid ripped off. It was a slow peel <laughs> out of a very, very, very abusive relationship with an ex with extreme narcissistic personality disorder And that relationship, as you described me in the beginning, which was like, just made me smile so much, you know, this positive, uplifting, energetic person, that's who I was when I met him. And going through that relationship little by little, he had just totally stripped my identity from me. So I was basically just an absolute shell of myself, you know, terrified, paranoid Basically, a dress code bedtime, you know, like actual rule book essentially, just not typed out and isolated from friends and family. You know, it was just a you wouldn't expect it to happen, right? To your strong, positive person, you wouldn't expect that to happen. So it was almost like a drug, right? You become addicted mm-hmm. to that person. So if you are t- basically taught through the dynamic of how that relationship progresses. You're taught that if you act in XYZ way, you are rewarded, right? So you'll get your attention, you'll get your praise. You've been, quote unquote, like a good girl,
0: right? Yeah, you're awesome. being groomed.
1: Literally. And then if you don't do what you're supposed to do, then you are punished. You are, you know, neglected, you're isolated, you're cussed out, maybe worse, whatever it is. And my life just became, it was such shaky grounds and coming from such a solid family. My parents and my best friends. You've seen them big Vic and Mims on, on the gram. Um, my foundation is so solid that that was just really wild to see how shaky that could get. And I just knew I woke up one day and I just truly felt like, if I stick with this, this human, I'm probably not going to make it. I'm probably going to die. So when that hit me, I took a look around. I was living with my parents at the time because he and I were looking at houses together. Um, and I just looked in the mirror and I said, I got, whoa, 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 whoa. It's time to make make a move. So I peeled myself off. I ended that relationship. It was about a year of of really mourning that loss because it felt like a drug. It felt like I was withdrawing. Physiologically felt like I was withdrawing from a drug. Uh, You know, he had a new girlfriend right away, of course, she was probably already in the picture. And I was just kind of left to heal with with no idea how to even do so. So during that time, I was just drinking heavily, I had lost about 30 plus pounds in a matter of I don't even know, two and a half months from just not having I couldn't eat, wow. you know, that heartbreak, lack of appetite. The quote unquote heartbreak diet um, could not eat at all. And the only thing I could take down or wanted to take down was just bottles of wine. Right. Just like literally a piece of bread in the morning, guzzling wine down. This was before I was a fitness coach. Still into fitness, but, um, but just totally heartbroken and just dysfunctional. Raging, partying my ass off to escape and to feel anything. And I actually had become, I, I, there was a lot of suicidal ideology there with close attempts, but just couldn't bring myself to that place. But it was scary. It was scary to kind of just take a step back and be like, holy shit, who are you? What happened? So of course you, you would think, holy shit, Karina must have been feeling at her weakest, which I did. I, I literally didn't even know what the hell who I was. And my aunt one day took my hands and just held them and said, Karina, I want you to know that At this point in time, you are the strongest that you've ever been. And I remember looking like, what the hell? I was literally a shell of myself. There was like, my eyes were, there was no life in my eyes. It was awful. All of my friends and family were just super concerned. And I just said, what do you mean I'm the strongest version of myself? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? And she just said, you chose you. You chose you. And I sat back and it just hit me. Holy shit. I am waking up every single day and choosing to go through this agony because I'm I'm just holding on to hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that I deserve better than that. I know that I want to live. I want to find a healthy love that I want. I have so many goals and aspirations in life and incredible relationships apart from that. Like I'm choosing that even though it's been eight, nine, 10 months of just agony. So I thought that was so amazing. You know, and then when I remember that line, I just thought of all of my clients and they're amazing and they all have different backgrounds and they're all choosing themselves. Anybody who gets into coaching does. But I feel like anybody could take that name and read it and have their own experience with that. And often on on sales calls when people actually sign on, they lots of people get emotional and they say, like, I'm choosing me because of this or I've never chosen myself before. And now I'm doing it by, you know, signing up for coaching. They, they share their story and it's everybody is choosing themselves. And that was kind of the background of how that came to be for me. So, well,
0: that's there we beautiful. are. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Thank you. It was a while.
0: Yeah, that's really scary. And I think that when we are in situations like that, whether it's a relationship or in a situation where we are having to choose ourselves, it's, it's really hard. And how, like, what do you think? kept that hope for you?
1: Definitely having such a solid family, just with my parents, that was really helpful because I've seen the way that love was modeled to me. I'm fortunate for that with them. And I knew, and even a a ton of my close friends just from college, just seeing their beautiful relationships and they were, you know, getting engaged and Mm -hmm. starting families. not that that's what I necessarily wanted, but I just saw healthy love in front of me and I knew that this is not what anyone should settle for so I just knew that there was more out there and then I also I missed me I I I totally had lost myself I I wasn't dressing the way I wanted to because I wasn't allowed I basically anything music that I listened to books that I read the way that I danced it was all shut down so quite literally the way that I my spirit was gone and I missed it and just slowly bringing myself to get back. I got a new job. I bought a new car. I started hanging out with friends again. I traveled, God forbid. My girlfriend said, hey, we're going to Georgia. You want to come? And I forgot, holy shit, I'm allowed to get on a plane and go wherever I want to, whenever I want to. That I, I almost said no because I was so used to, I couldn't do things like that in that relationship. So when I started realizing this is life and this is what being an independent human is I started to remember that I started to remember I am funny I'm funny as fuck and I am sexy and I am powerful and I am vibrant and that's what I people like about me but that's what I love about me so I started wanting to bring that back and it made that was kind of the the ultimate motive behind hanging in there and now she back, it. you know,
0: it's, <laughs> it's really hard to get out of situations like that, especially because in the moment, it's almost as if you don't know that it's happening until you see it from the outside. Oh, yeah. I was in a very short term relationship with somebody and it was very, very, very similar. And I always thought to myself, I would never be able to get into a relationship like that. Mm-hmm. I am never going to get into an abusive relationship. And then when it happens and you see it from the outside, you're like, holy shit, how did that happen? How yeah. did I become the person that was in that situation? How did I let myself just be blindsided by this person? And it it's almost not only you lose that identity, but it kind of makes you, or at least for me, it made me kind of question how I was viewing people. And I was like, oh my God, how did I... Not see that. How did I not see that coming when it was literally right in front of me?
1: Oh yeah, it it absolutely has you start to question yourself when it comes to gauging people's character and their intent intentions for you. And it can get. It still impacts my dating life to this day. It's been. It's been years. It's been since 2017 is when that started. So it's 2022, baby, and it is still very. I'm still healing. I'll be kind of forever healing. Really but it absolutely impacts your dating life moving forward and it's you know but it is beautiful to see how far you can can come and a big a huge part of that what and and this goes for anybody no matter what anyone's going through whether it's family loss you know overcoming a breakup in a very abusive you know codependent relationship like that whether it's loss of a job anything anything allowing yourself to feel is so important. So many people don't want to, they want to skip over that, (laughs) that piece. Actually embracing the absolute suck of it all is a key component of being able to move forward. Because if you just bury that and try to just slap a smile on and move forward, yeah, sometimes we have to do that to function. But you have to literally sit in that suck for a while And then pull yourself out. Actually, my coach, Sandy, I think you might be familiar with her. She said this line that I loved and I use, I repeat it. So it's the gift that keeps on giving Sandra. I love you. But she once said to me, you know, take a shower in it. Don't take a bath. And I love that now just for day to day, you know, shower in those emotions, embrace that suck, feel the feel, dry off. And then we have to keep going. You can go back in that shower, but we're not going to soak there forever. I do feel that when you go through something that traumatic, allow yourself to soak at first.
0: You know? Yeah. But all a little bit of a learning, you know, I think what you can take from those situations, even bad situations, I think really anything using them as learning opportunities. You now you said that's impacted dating life now. You now understand how to identify some of those characteristics or some of those tendencies that you saw in your ex that led to these behaviors that were really triggering. And mm-hmm. it's something I've seen. I was messaging with somebody and I started getting this gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shaking and I thought to myself, this ain't right. This does not Feel right. And I That's immediately amazing. knew I was like, this is that same feeling I had when I was with my ex. Absolutely. And you're just like, run, red flags are waving. And you're like, I'm out. And so yeah, I think yeah. that those learning lessons are really important in any situation like that.
1: Super important. And also, I will add that even ever since I've dated some characters. But I've also dated some kings, some amazing men that, honestly, I learned a lot about myself. And it, I would say this is one situation, one king, <laughs> that I learned it didn't work out because of me, because of my me being very triggered, even when he was incredible. And it was because I was just constantly jumping to conclusions and over being overly defensive because I'm so used to that still. So it's there are little pieces that I could be in a very safe space and I'll find myself, you know, jumping to defend myself or, you know, just trying to almost protect myself because mm-hmm. I assume that something very negative or traumatic is going to happen from my past when it isn't even, you know? So that's yeah. a lot of unhealed territory. So it keeps surfacing, but, you know, one of my favorite speakers I listen to her podcast all the time um, and I post her sometimes on the gram, but her name is Haley Hoffman Smith. Are you familiar?
0: I am not, but if you've posted it, then I'm sure I've okay. seen it. <laughs> so
1: she's incredible. And she ha- has this concept of, or, you know, shared this concept of whenever you're feeling so triggered like that to, it's going to sound really strange, but bear with me to say, literally say out loud or in your head, pause what a pleasure and at first when I heard her say that on her podcast I was thinking that's kind of ridiculous why would why would you say what a pleasure when you're on in fight or flight mode just insanely triggered by something but pause what a pleasure this I'm getting to know myself I am discovering a very unhealed wound and now I number one have more self-awareness and number two I have a new place to start of where, where to dig next, where to seek support with next, where to explore so that I can do further healing and become a more whole version of myself, you know? So pause, what a pleasure, like, holy fuck, I'm triggered. Oh, pause, what a pleasure. This is something I need to work on that will help me become a more self-aware, stronger, resilient, whole healed version of myself. So that's how I look at triggers now. Um, the, Not always, but I try because that that line just sticks with me. So positive. I love that.
0: I love that. And I think, like you said, being able to be self-aware enough to dive into some of those triggers is really huge. For me, it took years and years of therapy to actually have that revelation. And as I mentioned recently, when I had a moment of that gut feeling, I thought to myself, Holy shit. I've never been so self-aware before to catch this. A year ago, I would have probably still fallen into that.
1: You probably surprised yourself like, oh, damn, I
0: got it. Oh, I called my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, guess what? (laughs) And I told her and I was like, I'm so proud of myself for being able to understand when something doesn't feel right or when I am triggered by something and maybe I don't, approach it perfectly, but at least I know how to navigate the situation in a way that feels appropriate in that moment. Maybe that's taking a step away. Maybe that's putting my phone down and not responding to something. Maybe that's yes, yes. taking a few breaths before I decide what my next move is, but being able to do that is huge. And so I think that's a big part of healing in general.
1: Absolutely. I, and like you said, to take a step away, to to bring yourself where you are not in that fight or flight state and to be able to bring yourself to a more conscious, logical place that you can make decisions that better serve you. I call it like the sober state, you know, because if you're in a very emotionally charged space and you're just kind of like, you feel your heartbeat just pounding and you're just getting clammy and red in the face. And it's, you know, your inhibitions are, you're you're almost going to be responding as if you're drunk right? Like it's just going to be like, but if you kind of pause, pausing for anything when it comes to, you know, relationships with food and eating, when it comes to relationships with other humans and just communication, it's just like pausing and bringing yourself to that, like calm, conscious, hyper-conscious, logical state. But, you know, that's how I literally call like my sober state too, like my sober mind. (laughs) Like, like, okay, we're going to take a moment And actually assess this, check in with myself before I just respond. So that's amazing. Another thing that I do want to say is, you know, taking a look at who you're filling your rooms with, which is why I love that with, with what we do as coaches, just creating the community aspect Mm -hmm. is so amazing. And also we're part of our own communities. I have a coach, you have a team um, Mm -hmm. that you work with and It's so important to be surrounding yourself with people that you just know have that great intention for you and that they want to push you, that it is a safe space so that you have that to fall back on. Because if you are going through hell, no matter what it is, and then you're surrounding yourself with people that maybe fair weather friends, people that only, you know, I call them accessory friends sometimes, only will hang out with you if you're on their arm going out downtown. But if you truly need them, you know they're not going to be there. Yeah. So accessory friends or people that just really, truly don't have your back. You know, if you're, you got a tree, right? There are branches they might fall off, but you need your roots, right? You need those, those root folks. And it's, whether it's mentors, whether it's coaches, whether it's just a, a community aspect of peers, family, whatever, that piece is so important because that was absolutely vital for my healing from that relationship and also from the passing of my my brother um so my brother passed away december 1st of 2018 so that was the same year after that breakup so that was kind of a not kind of very much so a double whammy so right after i had healed from that relationship that we discussed it was you know a half year later my only sibling passed away from just mental health and addiction. And that was, you know, he was 30 years old, um, which I'm 31 right now. And it's just, it's so, I get so emotional because it's just thinking about, I feel like my life is just starting and Mm -hmm. that's at 30 and it's just, but the point is, you know, if I did not fill my rooms with people that were just my roots, you know, of that tree, I, I, my healing process would never have gone with both the relationship and the loss of my brother, the way that it did. I, I, so for some people, this has never been difficult for me, but for some people and maybe a lot of the people listening and that we work with, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel, it's hard to fall apart. It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to accept help after you've asked for it. And all of those things you have to open up to them in order to hang in there you know if you are resistant towards all of those things if you isolate all the time and you don't want to ask for help and you bury embracing the, or you just don't embrace that suck it's going to come out eventually you can keep pushing on but eventually it'll surface in a way that is not going to benefit you so that was huge um for just healing in general and it's you know i think that you also have to channel deeper whys for why you want to keep moving on because, you know, going through something, even like the, the loss of a family member, it, it's so difficult to have to identify the day like, okay, I have to wake up and go to work. Mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to shower and put my put my bed together and cook and go to work. I have to function after this. So you have to force yourself to do that. You know, yeah. you have to force yourself to do that. So then how how do you do that? Of course, yeah, money gets you, right? You have to go to work to make money and put a roof over your head. So there is that hanging over you. But getting deeper into that, what is that intrinsic motivator to get you to put one foot in front of the other when you feel like the world is literally crushing down? And for me, you know, I had to really sit with that and and have those conversations with myself like okay number one of course he would never want our lives to stop you know number two i have incredible friendships and my parents and family and people that that need me that i want to that i need to stick this out with them i need to show up for them too and also number three i still even after that abusive breakup even after that close close family loss a sibling I still, I, I want to live. I deserve to have a meaningful, successful life. And I, I want to continue and move forward with that. And it, it's ugly right now, but I deserve to have that. And I know it's out there. So I just have to get one foot in front of the other. And I think that so many people can kind of think about their own situations and their own hardships and ask themselves even right now, if you're listening, like, what is that deeper why for you? And talk about it, write it down, speak about it to a therapist, to a coach, to to a trusted loved one. But the more that you can channel that, the more grit and resilience you're going to have to actually push through and keep doing those little things that will eventually propel you out of that. So totally rambling, but it's just kind of it's wild <laughs> It's, it's he, just developing resiliency in general as a human is one of the most overwhelming this processes it's it's insane but and it because you can't see it happening it's like grass growing right you can't see it happening then you yeah. look back oh, shit! i've been through a lot of shit and i'm out here not only surviving but semi-thriving like what the fuck this is
0: great <laughs> No, you absolutely are. And rambling is very welcome because you have just so many wonderful nuggets of advice to share. And like you said, you know, you've been through two really challenging and two, I know that there's more that you've been through in the past six years besides just those two really challenging things. But I want to bring it back to the fitness side of things. I think a lot of times when these events happen or it feels like your world is just totally crashing down, oftentimes I notice that people's health and wellness take the back burner, like full, mm-hmm. maybe they're off the stove completely. That's just not something <laughs> yeah. that people even think about. So how did you maintain some sense of normalcy in a life that didn't feel normal in 20, at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019? Yeah. I definitely, again, I took that bath, right? That super
1: long bath. It was about an 8 month or pruned up. Um, But I I just, I allowed myself to let things fall to the wayside of it. Because I was in, both me and my parents, especially after we lost my brother, survival mode. So am I going to be in the gym crushing PRs at that time? Absolutely not. You know, maybe some people would, but for me, I could, I would, I would drive to the gym parking lot, cry and then drive home. And that was a win for me to even get dressed to go to the mm-hmm. gym, you know, but well, that this is a good point. Acknowledging that as a win, mm-hmm. right. Totally. Not, and this is, we, our clients, we talk about these things all the time, you know, not dragging yourself down for, oh my gosh, I haven't been to the gym in a week or whatever, like, what did you do though? You know? So I started kind of looking at what am I doing to keep up? And obviously I had my therapist into place. I had just hired actually my first coach at the summer of that same year. Um, and she was monumental in in my healing and my growth as well. But, you know, just stacking up the little wins that you do have was huge for me. So going back to work was hell. Ugh, I had two weeks. Actually, no, I had a week. My mother had two weeks. It's insane. That's what they give you for time. So you're just expected to get up and function. And they threw me back out into the streets doing what I was doing in like the social work realm at that point. And it was, it was awful, but just telling myself, holy shit, you are a powerhouse. You were getting dressed, slapping on your freaking eyebrows, pouring a coffee and going to work when your entire world has just went upside down. You are like, I had to say like, you are a fucking rock star. You know, and yeah. even when I didn't feel that way, but you have to, to tell yourself that, you know, showing up as the person that you want to be and, and speaking that way before you're even her is there's that audio for the the reels, but it's it's true. So that was super helpful, but also, again, rooms, right? So friends in the fitness space, getting my first coach, surrounding myself with people that were so welcoming and and helpful and uplifting and just helping me start small again you know like just yes. asking myself what do you what do you want now that we're getting when I started getting back to myself after that again the okay now giving myself permission to have goals because that felt selfish too I, I felt bad having fun my first time I ever really had a full belly laugh I was like oh I shouldn't be in enjoying life right now. That's how it it, it felt for me really? and my parents. So allowing myself to to laugh again, to dance again, to show up online and make funny videos before I even had this business, you know, I allowed myself to do those things. And then I allowed myself to have goals again, in a sense, allowed myself isn't the greatest language. But when I allowed myself to have goals again, I had to get really clear on how to do that and that's why I hired my first coach because I had no fucking idea where I wanted to start I had no idea I saw my first coach on Instagram I literally dm'd her and I just said hey I don't know what exactly you do but I need it I was the perfect I was the perfect sale sale <laughs>
0: You're like I just need to hire you I have no idea why but here's my money and go that
1: was, that was me I said I need something I got your vibe whatever you do let's do it and that was my first coach Bianca Thomas what up girl and, and that was huge for me. So really reaching out for support and, and coaching for me to, then, then I can't my fitness lifestyle, my goals, everything, my accountability, it popped off from there. So I let myself count the smallest of things as wins. And then I got to a point where I felt like I could own some goals and I hired a coach. Oh, shameless plug for us oh, now. Exactly. I hired a coach and I needed that and it changed my world. It helped me quit my nine to five and start this business. It helped me get so much stronger and more proficient in the gym. It helped me with my physique goals, my mental health goals, my overall nutrition goals. It was hiring a coach. Yeah. When I think about it, it really was. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think, I think you really touched on one of the biggest and most important points of this entire podcast is that – you were able to count small wins as wins nonetheless. Mm. One of the, or actually the number one first question I have on every client check-in is what is their breakthrough from that week? And that. a lot of times that will go unanswered. And as a coach, it frustrates me because not every week we're going to have monumental breakthroughs where it's earth shattering and, We've discovered something about ourselves, but sometimes that breakthrough is that you went to the gym for 20 minutes, realized the gym was not in the cards that day, Mm -hmm. you went home and you put your pajamas back on. And having small wins are really, really important for our mindset and to remember that, like you said, we are resilient. Not every season of life is going to be an ideal season of life. and. Mm -hmm. When I first heard the word seasons of life, it felt like a weird culty phrase that people were saying. I was like, what is a season of life? Like you hear it a lot in the Christian church where people will be like, oh, this season. And I was like, I don't know what this means besides seasons. And I use this word a lot with clients and really try and relate it back to real seasons because- When you break it down and take a step back and look at this idea of our life going through seasons, it doesn't happen in four-month periods or three-month periods. Sometimes it happens in year periods. There might be a really long season or a really short season, but when we break it down and think of it in that way, we can realize that some seasons are dark and gloomy Mm -hmm. and cold and depressing and shitty. And some seasons are really bright and vibrant and exciting. But then we have seasons that are really stagnant and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just have to coast through life and it's okay to be just in a constant state of my life is what it is and nothing exciting's happening. Nothing's bad happening. It's okay mm-hmm. to be content. We're allowed yeah. to be content being content. And having that as a win is really, really major. And I personally find sometimes that's how you get through the hard times. And sometimes that's how we have to get through life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also... That I, I was cracking up when you were talking about the seasons, because I remember when I first heard all the season talk myself, I was like, oh my goodness, everyone, season, season, season. And then here, a week later, I was dropping seasons.
0: <laughs> You're like, I <laughs> am in a, a season, <laughs> season of live.
1: <laughs> no, literally, probably, I don't know, even probably five to 10 times a day, I'm just whipping out the seasons. But because it is, it's a beautiful way to describe those those ebbs and flows of where you're at and also reminding our clients and ourselves that some of this might sound a little cliche but it is what it is your best is not going to be identical through and through it's not going to be 190% every single day every single week so whenever i have a client that is going through hell loss of a job going through a divorce you know whatever it is that they're they're going through you know, they put, they tend to put so much pressure on themselves. You know, I didn't, my habit tracker has been empty for weeks and I haven't hit a lift and I skipped three check-ins and like, I'm just totally fucking up. I can't, I have to step back and I say, girl, you are, let's just say in the middle of a divorce right now, is you going to Anytime Fitness and maxing out your deadlift, like the priority right now? Absolutely not. So I give them this visual of, and I am not into the sports, girl. I don't do the ball sports. I don't do <laughs> I don't like the sports. I won't pretend to do the sports, but I like to lift. That's why I like lifting weights and do my own thing. But the sports, no. But when we are talking about, let's say, even a baseball field, I give this visual because I'm. Oh, what? It. What
0: is that thing? I'm just kidding. I was like a baseball field, <laughs> a baseball field. I think that's
1: what they call it, right? A baseball field. And, you know, you have players. So think of like, okay, like think of your habits and your uh-huh. training program and your your nutrition protocols, whatever, your check-in. Think of those as players. So when you're going through absolute hell, And the whole team is like, oh, shit, this team is whooping our ass. There's going you some people get benched and some people get put out onto the field strategically. Right. That coach is looking, thinking, okay, strategically, we need this play. This person's strengths are that they're going on the field. Those people, they're probably they could use a rest, whatever it is. We have to think of our life habits and our protocols and any any goals that we have they're, they're players. They can't consistently be on the field nonstop, no matter what's going on in our lives. So I ask my clients who are going through shit, all right, who's in the field and who's taking the bench? And it makes it a more empowering, playful way to look at it. So, and it's, it's them choosing, okay, you know what? Life is freaking crazy right now. Like, I am going through my definition of hell. Realistically, steps, hydration, and in a, turning in a weekly check-in, those are on the playing field, right? I don't mm-hmm. care if they have a five-day training program. I don't care if they, whatever. That's the playing field. The bench, maybe that's the training program. Maybe that's tracking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, whatever it is. That That's the bench. It doesn't mean that they're not going to ever return. They're still a huge piece of the, they're a huge piece of the team. But when we do those other things that are, you know, the, the steps, the the hydration and submitting a weekly check-in form, they're on the playing field. If they keep up with those things, number one, combat's all or nothing. So they're still keeping up with something that's doable. That's helping them be accountable and present and to feel proud. Like, Holy shit, I'm still keeping up with something, you know? And then when they start to do whatever they have to do to heal, to get back to a more functional version of themselves, Let's whatever plays out. We can start bringing other players to the field, and maybe that's that first training session they get in in three weeks. Maybe that's them saying, coach, I think I'm ready to track again. We'll bring that player out to the field. But it's it's a revolving door a little bit, you know? And I I love to give that visual because, of course, the more successful you'll be if the more players are on the field when it comes to those habits. But they don't have to always be out there. And we have to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves because that's where we go from zero to everything. All nothing. All nothing. But if you can meet yourself in the middle and find that gray area, no matter what, and you define what that gray area is. That's what keeps you pushing when all hell breaks loose.
0: I love that. That's a great analogy, even though you're not a ball sports kind of gal. I really like that one. I think that really does put a good visual out there. And I think um, I had actually posted something on Instagram about, you know, if we want an A-plus physique or whatever, we have to have Mm -hmm. an A-plus report card. But I think something important in that same ideology is that if we are going in a plus at all times or a hundred percent at all times, there is going to be some burnout and we have to sometimes put things on the back burner. That's not to say that everything should totally be wiped off the slate. Like you said, these mm-hmm. players are on the bench. They're not, they're not headed home from the game and hitting the bus, you know, they're mm-hmm. on the bench, they're still there. And so we're not saying when other things are taking precedence, that doesn't mean that we're, necessarily just sitting on our couch and forgetting everything else, you know, we're still putting some effort out there. But newsflash, like a B plus is still a passing grade. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, I was never an A student. So don't even come at me with that A plus like, absolutely (laughs) not. I was not an A student in school. I will admit that I was a BC student. And I loved
1: me a good B. I was always like, give me a B.
0: No, seriously, though, I think that it is very easy. And even sometimes as coaches, I think maybe more so for me than you, like I am a very, very regimented person. And so sometimes I kind of lose sight that maybe not everybody else is is Mm -hmm. as regimented as I am. And I have to remember that by projecting that onto clients and wanting them to have this perfectionist attitude can be really challenging for people because not everybody is able to give that. And that's okay. And you have to really figure out, like you said, digging deep and figuring out what your why is. And we say it all the time as coaches, what's your why? What's your why? And the reason we need to know what your freaking why is, is because it's going to come back time and time and time again. And you're going to have to figure out if that why is important enough for you to get to that B. Because if we're just getting D's, then we're just remaining the same. And we don't want to remain the same. We hired a coach to level up on some degree, whether that's mindset, whether that's nutrition, whether that's fitness, whether it's all three. But Um. if we keep playing that same game of not having a real why and just kind of moving through the motions and not communicating that with people, then like nothing's happening. Mm
1: -hmm. Or just having those extrinsic goals where, you know, you're only in it to lose the 10 pounds or you're only in it to look a certain way for the bachelorette. You know what I mean? It's Those things are great, but they're not going to, they're not gritty enough. They're not gritty enough for when shit hits the fan, especially if you want to make long-term changes, you have to have that deeper meaning. Why do you want to do this? And why are you deserving as well? Because a lot of people that I work with, if they don't have that regimented, you know, self-discipline when they come to me, like, what do you mean you just get up and you do? It doesn't matter how you, you feel about it. It needs to get done. A lot of people don't have that, which is why they come to mm-hmm. us. And a lot of people really struggle to build that. And I find that a lot of those folks truly don't feel worthy, deserving, or capable of not only achieving that goal but also the hard work that comes with it
0: lots yeah. of people
1: feel actually worthy of hard work that would yield success and i know because i was one of them for 10 years even in my career i never felt worthy of hard work like really really hard that's why i never started a business until two years ago i should have done this 10 years ago I, yeah. i'm obsessed with what i do but i was terrified of hard work and i did not feel worthy to be coaching anybody to get, become a CPT, to become a coach, to, you know, like get all this ongoing continuing education and to help people with their lives. I didn't feel worthy of it. So I didn't chase it, you know, So until I got sick of my own shit. And I feel that when people, you, we have to help them feel worthy of that, which is a whole process of a lot of what I do with coaching in general, but also I love when people reach that point of getting sick of their own shit because, you know, some people will take a step back and just be like, holy, fuck. Life doesn't just get easier. You don't reach level 10 and then you won forever and now you're done with the video game. You know, you're going to reach yeah. level 10 and have a winning season. And you're going to get knocked right back on your ass. So you have to really ask yourself hard, you have to tell yourself really hard shit's going to happen regardless. You're going to get a break sometimes and then it's going to come back. You're going to get a break sometimes and then it's going to come back. So
0: for sure. Well, you, you know, you said it, they have to like, they have to realize that it's their shit and that nobody else can fix it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the hardest part for people. And one of the hardest parts in life is just, it's very easy to have that, victim mentality of all these bad things are happening to me, or I'm not deserving of X, Y, and Z, or I let this happen to myself. And so I can't get out of this. Same Mm -hmm. thing, relationship. Something happens, you lose somebody in your family and it's Mm -hmm. easy. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying to not marinate in that and to have that time to heal, but you have to have that will to get out of that, and nobody can do that for you. No, one. you have to do it.
1: It's your choice it's you have it's your choice, and you have to take that choice and pair it with an actual planning you know game plan, and then you have to pair that with actual action it has to it has to all go together, and you are propelling every single step of that.
0: You, you know have to choose you You have to choose you see
1: Oh. <laughs> You have to, you have to. And that's what I did when, and that's what you have to choose you. Like, no, this world, we have no control over so much. You know, what can we focus in on? What can we optimize? What can we commit to? It's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be some days where you don't want to get up and do shit, you know, but it's that larger goal. And, you know, this this line is kind of, this was one of the, I wrote this down so that I wouldn't mess it up. Look at me. Look at a plus student today. <laughs> um, but my father said this big book. I keep reading him up because he's just so like monumental in my life. Yeah, we
0: really he, wanted Big Vic on this episode. He's he healing on the t- East Coast. Oh yeah. He he's would have taken just- over the show. We would have taken a huge back seat to Big Vic. He would
1: love to be a podcast episode. He was an inspirational speaker um, for a while. He's a business owner, but he is the king of mantras and affirmations and all things language he sends me articles all the time of you know just replacing the way that we speak and think about things so he kind of got me into that from a very young age from six seven years old we were having those conversations and now it's just stuck with me and really influenced my coaching approach but this quote he said to me the other day I'm 31 years old and when I'm having a bad day I'm like babes I'll be making pasta, crying over the stove, calling my parents. Um, But he said something along the lines of the absence of alternatives clears the mind marvelously. That's from Henry Kissinger. Okay, wrote that down for you here. So I love that line because the absence, think about it, the absence of alternatives clears the mind marvelously. So, of course, you have a coach that's sitting here like, quitting isn't an option. Yeah. But truly, if you look at, we do primarily lifestyle coaching. Lifestyle. I always tell my girls, this is for life shit. Maybe you're with me for four months. Maybe you're with me for 12. Maybe we would send it and we're doing two. Who knows? But you're learning and building skills and behavior patterns, and quite literally rewiring the way that you operate over time for that to last for for life. So the word quit, or the act of giving up, it shouldn't even be an alternative, right? Like it shouldn't be. So that Uh the absence of alternatives, clears the mind marvelously. If people can just slowly try to remove quitting or giving up or stopping altogether forever as an alternative, it will just, it will just give you so much more clarity when you say, okay, there's no quitting. I'm time is in a pass either way. So I can either show up messily this way and that's it. Right. So it gives you that clarity that there is is no alternative to quitting. So the, actually the clarity is I'm going to keep showing up messily and I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to accept it if I need it. Or I'll try to do it independently, but that's that clarity that it gives your mind. There's no alternative of quitting when you're doing this shit for life. So I, I-
0: love that. That is seriously so good and so applicable to so many things. Yeah. Big Vic coming in hot with the quote.
1: With the Henry Kissinger <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And you know, if you it is it's helpful to, I'll literally send it to you after this. It's helpful to reference especially when working with clients and then your clients can take it and think about it and internalize it however they would like. But it's, it's, it's getting away from saying, Hey girl, quitting isn't an option. So like, you know, taking you away from that football coach vibe to just saying, Hey, the absence of alternatives clears the mind marvelously. So if you just quitting isn't an alternative. Cause you're gonna end up coming back and trying to do it again, so it's not anywhere. Years are gonna pass regardless. What is you can't you you quite literally can't quit. You have to wake up. You have to move your body. You have to fill your body with food. You have you know. So you're either doing it poorly, or you're doing it messily but with intention during a hard season. There's your clarity, you know. So I I just I love that, and it takes it also is a less um, offensive approach to being like, well, you can't quit. You give someone that line and just like, oh, all right. that's a cool way to think Kind of like,
0: it. don't touch the stove. And they're like, all right, watch me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then you feed someone a line like that and then you give them the perspective of, you know, every, everything we just talked about. And I love that. I love that so much. I love it for fitness goals. I love it for career goals, you know, even relationship goals that people are trying to hang in there and they're just saying, listen, we ain't quitting. We're figuring this out. So there's your clarity. And it's, that's, that's a cool line. So lots of, lots of even quotes and mantras and things like that. Just like I told you, even with, you know, pause, what a pleasure, those things really help me to center and then to make those decisions that serve me and to propel me forward, to give me that hope.
0: I love that. Well, Karina, when you decide to write a book, I would like to sign a signed copy.
1: Oh, of course, I'll come I'll fly back down to Austin and sign it over some cocktails.
0: Yes, please. No, thank you so much for just taking the time to share a small portion of your story and to. Give really applicable examples of how to get through hard times, how to take the next step and really level up when it feels like shit has hit the fan. Like you are really giving ways that people can get over those humps of life. And there's a lot that I learned from this conversation. That baseball analogy got me. I love a good analogy. And so that's really helpful to just take into coaching and into life. So, I appreciate you so much, and I can't wait to continue to watch you crush, choose you, and I am very excited to see what funny reels are coming next from you, <laughs> because we all know that you are the real queen. And My reels so- are already
1: turning over coffee this morning, and I was like, oh, it's been a little quiet. It's time to stir stir things up.
0: <laughs> the pot <laughs> has been stirred. <laughs>
1: thank you so much this was so fun and you just made it such a just natural fun welcoming awesome experience so thank you and if you ever want me to return just holler at me girl all right girl
0: i will everybody listening remember to be bold to be confident and to be you